On this episode, I speak to an individual with a huge task. Someone who's been chosen to lead Malaysia's digital economy forward. She's worked abroad, New York to be exact, and successfully ran an 18-year stint in Wall Street. She punched above her weight and carved a place for herself under extreme competition and high standards. When I set out to actually um, work at JP Morgan, I thought, you know, my main goal is really my way of actually contributing back. Like, I just want to show people that, that we can, me, me as a Malaysian, as this a girl woman, from Tamanton, who went to MRSM, <laughs> okay, I can be as good as these guys, these people that I went to work with. I've earned that, my place uh, here. I've earned my place. I have right? a table at the table. Yeah. And so that was what drove me. Right. Right, and right. then then to be part of, you know, a, a, a firm like J.P. Morgan. Like yeah. this is like the biggest, one of the most well-run um, um, organizations in the world. To be part of that leadership team, to me was I feel very proud of myself. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz and BFM, you're listening to Shift, Steer, and Strive a show that shines the spotlight on influential minds and the inspiring as well as sometimes eccentric personalities behind them. I'm Azura Rahman. And on this episode, I speak to Serena Shukri, Chief Executive Officer of the Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation, MDEC. Serena has plenty to be proud of. She holds dual degrees in Finance and Systems Engineering from the Wharton School and the University of Pennsylvania. Soon after graduating, she made a bold move to leave Malaysia and pursue a career in Wall Street. So my, my first professional, like non-internship work work experience was actually with, e- with ESSO. Okay. With Exxon, because I was an ESSO scholar. So I had to serve, serve my bond, time, right? serve my yeah. time. Mm. Uh, but I broke my bond because I thought, like, it's much more fun. Like, I want to, to see the world right. and, and there's so many things happening abroad. Right. And um, if I'm studying finance, the real place to practice that is, of course, on Wall Street. And so that was what drew me, drew me there. Right. So, so much to the, the, um, well, let's just say that that it required a lot of courage to say, all right, no, I'm going anyway. Right. To your parents. <laughs> to to my parents, and also just to make sure that I was comfortable with serving that bond because I had to pay back so the entire cost of my education. Right. Right. It was a lot of money. Right. And all the aunts would say, Serena, boleh beli rumah She thrived in New York. With 17 years at J.P. Morgan Chase, she honed her skills working on multi-billion dollar mergers and acquisitions, capital raising, driving digital transformation, and leading teams through the financial crisis of 2008. I decided to start a conversation on the road in a Mercedes E-Class for some reflections on change, foresight, progress, and her early years. Intuitively, we headed out to where it all started for Serena, her neighbourhood township. Okay, so we're just driving through Tamanto now. Um, 19 years on, what does it feel like to live here now? I mean, so much has changed, right? I mean, this building is new. It yes, wasn't there, right? Wasn't there. That's, that's five years ago. I feel, I actually feel blessed. And the reason why I say blessed is because like Tamantun is one of the, 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 it's a model townhood. And then 
And it's because somebody 20 plus years ago had the foresight to say, we should build something like this. We should build something, we should build a community where, where, where it's nice, it's vibrant, and can continue to expand, continue to grow, etc., etc. And And so I'm a beneficiary of growing up here. Right. And so that's why I say I feel blessed. So now I feel like I got to pass that on, move that forward. What sort of, what's the equivalent of this kind of ecosystem that's all encompassing that benefits people? And then you create people like me, my sister, others. They're like... There are a number of people on my leadership team actually that are actually from Tamantung. <laughs> I up. find Tamantung people very tribal. They're very proud of where they are. Like you know, it's, I, I can't move out of Tamantung. You it, know, it's, it's, and and it's it's almost like it's not just Tamantung because Tamantung is Damansara Tama Damansara. It's kind of like this whole right. All right, like yeah, we're all one kampung here. We're all part of it together. But again, that's an example. Like I said, an example of foresight development mm. of some people from way back when, like. Right. Um, um, working, it's private sector, public sector working together and coming up with like, all right, this is how it should be done. Let's build something like this for the benefit of of everyone. And it's thriving, it works. And so so with that mindset, like that's what I bring to MDAC. Like this whole stuff works. Right. You right. know? It's not like like I'm a bit of like I'm a product of Malaysia, actually. Even in her teens and early 20s, she was not intimidated by difficult decisions. She was ready to put herself on the line. Obviously, you then moved to MRSM Taiping. From Damansara Jaya, I went yeah. to MRSM because I thought that going to a boarding school would be a good idea. You thought. Um, but it was actually, you know, it was hard when I went through it. Let me just right. say that. Right. Um, Taiping is quite heavy going, right? Taiping is quite heavy going. Um, but what was interesting was just the exposure to the rest of the country mm-hmm. because KL, Tamantun, etc., yeah. etc. And then now, you know, I, I have friends from all over the country, from Johor, from you know, Penang, from Sabah. And just to put it in context, MRSM Taiping was the cream of the crop yeah. of all the MRSMs, right? So you've got a lot of... Um, brilliant minds, so to speak, gathered in one place. And what was that like as a teenager, you know, suddenly being surrounded by people who are, you know, just as clever as you or cleverer? I mean, what was that like for you? It felt nothing different than than in the prior school because I think as students, you're just going about your, your, your day in a regular manner. Right, right. Um, and so, but what was nice about the experience, that MRSM experience, is because the the way that we learned mm-hmm. was was non-traditional, i.e., it was very project-based. Because in because before it would usually just be okay, teacher speaks in front of the class, and you're listening and you're doing. But our my MRSM typing experience was quite progressive. There would be lessons times when the teacher would say, "All right, we're going to do something different. You all do your research. Go to the library." and then you will teach the rest of the class. Oh, wow. And so it's learning through discovery, learning to action, learning through... So that, that part of the education was quite exciting. I right. really enjoyed that. Right, right. And also allowed for more discussions. That's right. And, and, then, and being in a... Like where the entire class is as thinking and, and, and active and really invested in, in learning as you made it for a very robust kind of discussions, and right. discussions in class. So do you still keep in touch with your Absolutely. friends from Marisol? Absolutely, yes. Yes, I do. 
Okay, when was the last that you actually lived here proper? 2000. 2000. Right. So I had graduated from Penn, I came back, um, and and so I spent a year and a half in KL working. So my, my first professional, like non-internship work work experience was actually with with ESO. Okay. With Exxon, because I was an ESO scholar. So we had paid school, so I had to serve, serve my bond, time, right? serve my yeah. time. Mm. Um, but I broke my bond because I thought, okay, like it's much more fun. Like I want to, to see the world, right. and and there's so many things happening abroad. Right. And um, if I'm studying finance, the real place to practice that is of course on Wall Street, and so that was what drew me, drew me there. Right. So, so much to the, the, um, well, let's just say that that it required a lot of courage to say, all right, no, I'm going anyway. Right. To your parents? <laughs> to to my parents. And also just to make sure that I was comfortable with serving that bond because I had to pay back ESO the entire cost of my education. Right, right. It was a lot of money. Right. And all the aunts would say, Serena, boleh beli rumah And that takes a lot of self-belief at the same yeah. time. Where but, did that come from, but, that but, self-belief? But here's, here's, here's the thing. It is, and... and One of the biggest lessons that I learned there was, you see, we are pre-programmed to think about downside scenarios. Okay, so of course, as I was making the decision, I was thinking through, can I pay back the bond? Mm. What happens? Like, it's the what's the worst case scenario? What can happen, etc., etc. Right. So right. we we always automatically do whenever we're trying right. to make a decision, you right. pre-program yourself to to do that. But at the same time, I think that we don't spend enough time thinking about what's the best thing that could happen. What's the upside? Yes. And so for me, I was thinking through, okay, what's the best thing that could happen? And um, and so uh, that's what gave the 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 confidence to actually like just go give it a try. Just go give it a try. But you know, going to New York to I mean looking for a job in Wall Street. I mean that's a huge thing. That's a huge, big, hairy, audacious goal, right? I mean, what was What, what spurred you on? I mean, because obviously you have this job in, in engineering, I imagine, in SO? No, it was um, in the finance department. In the finance department, yeah. So I did, I was a um, dual degree um, in undergrad. So I, right. was, I, I did studied systems engineering and finance, so management and technology. It's funny, that's kind of my job now. Right. Um, um, so that was what I was, I was doing. But it was just... Let's go and see. I'm, I'm, I'm. How old was I? I was probably like 24 right, right then. Right. And and. And the lure of Wall Street was too strong. It's not just the lure of Wall Street. It is. It is. It is. Let's just give it a shot. Right. Let's try. I wanted to know what helped shape such a courageous and self-determined Serena. She remembers her childhood as one with plenty of exploration and independence. When I was growing up. Um, we had the freedom to actually go take the bicycle and ride around. First, it was this neighborhood itself. Right. So you just go to the closest park. And by the time I got to 12, you know, we could go from here all the way to the other side of Tamantod. Wow. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was acceptable. And going to school even, elementary school, we used to take the regular bus to, to not, I mean, to like Skologama, which right. is like close by. Right. Um, regular bus, right? And so this sense of, of of freedom and exploration, independence, was what they always encouraged. Did you find the same amongst your peers, or were you like 
Would you say Serena? You take the bus? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the the the, the norm. The, the the norm. Like even with my cousin, for example, um, who had very strict parents, and and so they're like, "Wow, you're actually going," you know, because like growing up, sometimes we would we, in my later stages, like I would, like even going for my interview for J.P. Morgan, was. Like it was, a, it was self-funded. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go for this interview in, in New York. So your parents were not so surprised in that sense. They know that you know Serena from the, from young, she's always been independent. She's on her bike, getting around, taking the bus to school. Yeah, like all of us, like we we have this spirit of independence. Right, right. Um, do you do the same for your kids? I try to, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. like it, it's 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 a. We try and encourage independence. Mm. It's not easy. I don't know how my parents did that. Um, um, because the world has also changed. And of so, course. like, for example, like one of the, the big conversations that, that, that was top of mind before, before this, as far as parenting was concerned, it was, at what age will we allow Ian, my eldest... How old is he? Now he's 10. Right. Ride the New York City subway by himself. Because that's, like, a question all parents in New York City have to figure out, like, at what age... And and so, so like the the discussion goes like my husband is like fifteen, sixteen, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but what about you? What was what's your ideal age? Like I was thinking by twelve they 12. would do that, right? Right. right. Um, and Ian wants to go now. <laughs> he's getting. He's I think getting getting ready. Right. I think he's slowly. Like right. We, we we encourage. Right. We encourage. Thriving in the world's financial centre is no easy feat. Who would have thought that accepting and embracing her Malaysian identity and story would fuel her inner strength in New York? I, I mean, was that something that you said very proudly during your many years in Wall Street? People ask you, obviously people, you know, where are you from, Serena? What did you say then? It took a while, actually, because before there was this comp- a little bit of a complex because we used to think, oh yeah, my Malaysian story of... It's probably not as interesting as that person's story of when he was growing up in the UK, mm-hmm. or and so I would not share as much. Like ah uh, yeah, kind of gloss over it, kind of gloss over it. Right. And then I realized as I got um, um, much more comfortable, I, I learned to get comfortable in my skin. I learned to be much more confident of what we have, right? Which is a lot. Which is a lot, because like, take take for example simplest like breakfast okay so in the u.s everybody eats eggs for breakfast bread granola granola and so i thought like okay to be cool i also need to have because i'm eating something different like i won't i won't really tell people that i really like nasi lemak for breakfast like i eat you know that's right it's rice right and so so it required a little bit of a mindset shift to say look my story isn't as interesting as other people's. Right. There's nothing wrong with, like, I'm enough. There was this whole, I'm enough. I'm enough. Did you also feel, I mean, I lived abroad for 10 years as well. I lived in London for 10 years. And there's also that slight sense of responsibility of being an ambassador yeah. for your country, for your people. Yeah. Did you feel that as well? Definitely. Right? When I set out to actually um, work at JP Morgan, I thought, yeah, my main goal is really my way of actually contributing back. Like, I just want to show people that that we can, me, me as a Malaysian, 
as this a girl woman, from Tamantun who went to MRSM. <laughs> hey, I can be as good as these guy, these people that I went to Wharton with. I've earned that, my place uh, here. I've earned my place. I All have right? a table at the table, yeah. and so that was what drove me. Right, right. And right. then, then to be part of, you know, a, a, a firm like J.P. Morton. Like, yeah. This is like the biggest, one of the most well-run um, um, organizations in the world. To be part of that leadership team, to me was I feel very proud of myself. For that. Did you have any like Happy. you know I gotta pinch myself you know that I'm in this no. moment. No, you know? no, no, it was not. I have to pinch myself in this moment. It was never <coughs> that. I was very quite grounded to say like wow because it's not easy. It's it's it was hard work, no doubt. Right. Um, uh, but what what I felt really good about was. The relationships that I've built over the right, years, right. it's because of who I am. You know, like, because Malaysians were very Musra, you know, like, like, like. That's what we, how we are raised with, like, the values exactly, are raised with. Those right? values. Mm. Um, uh, and, and so my counterparts over there, like, I feel like they appreciate me for me. Home was New York for close to 18 years. But what did it feel like coming back to KL after being away for so long? I'm sure it's been an adjustment of sorts. The weather, the traffic. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think one of the biggest things for you must be having to drive everywhere, right? As opposed to when living in New York, I imagine yes. it's slightly different in terms of like getting you around. You hop on a subway and then right. you're there. So now, now there's driving. Uh, fortunately, I haven't been driving because, because um, I have a... Um, driver. We were going to ask you to go behind the wheel this morning, but we thought Oh, maybe. yes. <laughs> no, because my driver's license has expired and right. I don't actually have And we're responsible producers. Yes. Okay, so we're not going to do that. that. <laughs> Can't do that. And then plus, you know, I don't like driving anymore because in, in New York even, nobody really has cars, cars anymore. Yeah. You, you drive around, like you hop on an Uber and then and you get to where you need to go. So traffic is a big adjustment, I imagine. Traffic is a big adjustment. Um, Opening bank accounts. Oh yeah, right? my god! Right? Oh right? my god! Something yes. as everyday as that is just so different in terms of banking services there. Yeah. yeah. So so we have quite a bit of work to do on that regard because, but but it's understandable because when you look at the the technology innovation. Right. Mm -hmm. So first you just start using the technology, then you start to improve the customer experience. I think in general we are at the stage where all our businesses are thinking through what that that customer experience is like. Maybank's got some work to do. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> what kind of work? No, let me know. Let me know. What kind of work do you think we could experience that we could improve on on the customer experience? Because coming from America, where everything is so customer oriented. Yeah. So yeah, right? it, it starts with the lens of the the, the customer, um, and so then you design your 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 experience through the lens of the customer. I think that, that was, that's adjustment that businesses are going through right mm. now. This is not like a Malaysia versus all businesses because even at, at my old company, we were always thinking like, oh, here's the services. The customer is supposed to just take the service. No, 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 you have to understand. Okay, so if I start, what's my customer experience journey like? If I'm trying to actually buy something, that experience starts with going to the website, your Google search, and then you get access to that and then it's the website itself and then what happens and so you have to map this customer experience journey and and so to make sure that the experience is good because today we're not necessarily competing on on the technology itself the product itself the brand itself 
any all products and services now are the same. Yes, it's starting to get commoditized, mm -hmm. and so what really differentiates is the customer experience. Right. So one of the things that we're we're, we're working on at MDEC is today we have let us just take MSC status companies. Okay, when people come, um, they've decided to actually you know invest in Malaysia. Then you go through this this process. You can be an MSC status company. And then you can get certain incentives and 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 whatnot. And so we start engaging them over there. But the reality of it is that, you know, I got to go to let me start my customer engagement process at, you know, SSM, which is like the registry. And so because anybody doing business in Malaysia, you have to start with like, all right, let me just get registered first. Mm -hmm. And so that is when that experience starts. And so you begins. start like, yeah, so make sure that information flow, make sure your data flows, make sure your everything starts there all the way to the end. So we, we have to, to think about how do you compete on experience? How do you compete on making sure that the process is a good process for, for all customers? So you got your work cut out for you in that got sense. got my work cut out for you. It is not, this job is not for the For the, for the weak heart. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Because the stakeholders are, are, are broad and wide, mm -hmm. but you have, but, but, like I anchor on certain things and then and 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 apply that. So what I mean by that is customer experience. Like if you just say we want to make sure that we deliver a good customer experience and we innovate on process, and so regardless of which stakeholder you're, you are dealing with, it's the same. Right. Right. We ended our relaxing journey in the Mercedes. It was a ride filled with insights about upbringing, the power of neighbourhoods, finding the courage to explore and embracing one's identity. Now as we hurried back to the studio, I found myself reflecting on the journey my peers and I made back to Malaysia. I wanted to explore this a bit more further with Serena. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I always ask this, people who've been away for a long time, um, what made you come back? I mean, for me, it was family. Yeah. For me, it was two years of conversations with yeah. my mom. Bila nak balik ni? Pre-2008, it was always bila nak balik ni, bila nak balik ni. And then after that, it shifted a little bit. It's like, no, actually, opportunities are good for you. So, to stay, <laughs> stay over put. there. Right. To stay over there. And right. so, for us, it was always, we made the decision. Yeah, you know what? I think we will, we will stay here because life is all about opportunities anyway. Um, but then, this opportunity came about came about. And so it was a pull factor, not a push factor? I mean, you were happy in New York? I was happy in New York. Right. I was happy in New York. I had like completely different plans. It was not, this was not part of the, I did not think of this at all. Right. Like it was, do my thing in New right. York. Um, right. I mean, and you were a New Yorker, right? Yeah. And I, so were your kids and, and your so husband. my kids, etc. And, and we, we were really thinking about, all right, so down the line, how do we, what kind of businesses can we do where you're half New York, half Malaysia, and, but, but we want to stay, stay there. And I got recruited for this. And for me, it was knowing what I know, knowing, seeing what I've seen, and now there's an opportunity to actually help move, help deliver impact for the country. Like, it's something that I, so I, I will not be at peace with myself. So it's a sense of having to pay back. Mm -hmm. Really? Wow. I mean, so it wasn't family. It wasn't like, you know, could some people come back also because of the kids, you know, because I want to give them the Malaysian experience, you know, yeah, it's come to a certain point. Yeah, was but, there that too? So, so it was not that 
per se because today we've realized that you can have, you can deliver all those experiences um, without having to physically be here. Right. Like family, all right, we'll come back, visit family, family come to visit, we talk, we Skype, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was really like, still, this is still my country. Mm -hmm. um, um, although, so this is still my country and I want to be able to actually give back. And your husband was on board with this? Mm -hmm. Really? Wow. There was no, yeah. I mean... He I, actually was the one, because I was like, oh, I'm just going to interview, see what happens. Okay. And But he said, you know, I think if you go, there's a very high chance that you'll get the job. Like, really? Oh, we'll see what happens. Um, so he was very, very supportive. I mean, it's not that I want to labor on this point, but, you know, I've had friends... Yes, but you know, I've I, I've had friends who are in you know the similar situation where you know we were all like abroad in London for a while, and and it seems that the only thing that would convince people to come back is either family or like or family. <laughs> That's it, really. So I, I find it amazing that you know it was your your desire to do something for the country to be the real impetus to make you want to come back. But it's also it's a bit. It, I would actually edit that a little bit. So what's really important for people? Family and then your career, mm -hmm. right? And so for a lot of us that that were abroad, and when you think back, you know when you were it's two thousand eight. You were earlier stages of your career, and so that was all about. All right, I want to make sure I learn, I get experience, etc., 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 etc. That was what drives you know your, your your second 10 years of your career, right. right? Right. And so I had that experience in, in New York. And so now I'm at the stage of my career where it's all about, okay, so I've learned. What's my second so How can I apply all of this? So what right. are the opportunities to actually apply all of this? Right. Then you start getting, looking at, at all the different opportunities at hand. And so today, the world is actually quite mobile. Like people are movement, moving. There's a lot of activity happening in Asia anyway. From mm -hmm. a macro standpoint, people know that, all right, there's a lot of activity in Asia. So you should probably think about, like, what's your Asia exposure, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, this is not just, it's, it is a career opportunity for me to lead an organization. And the sweetener to that is the fact that I'm doing it with, with there's a bigger purpose. And that's what everyone's looking for now, right? Purpose. Your jobs. Yeah. You know, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaningfulness in what you do. I mean, I think a lot of people go through their first job just wanting to make money, make ends meet, you know, you know have a nice life for, for you and hopefully your family. But you get to a point, why am I here? Was, that like, was it like it that for you? Yeah, it was, it was. There was a point where you know, it's quite common, like when you turn 40, you start like, oh, what do I do, blah, blah, blah. And so for me, it was, it was um, you know, looking for, for greater purpose. And, and so that's kind of also why I, when I left JP Morgan, one of the things that I was very driven by was, was supporting female entrepreneurs, female leaders. And so because I've got a lot of work to do there globally, yeah? Um, so that was greater sense of, of purpose. And then over here, it's all about change. Like we need to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't think differently, if we don't become more innovative, if we're not more, more we don't become more brave, then, then it's hard for us to move forward. For someone who's been at the epicenter of capitalism for 18 years, doing national service may seem a little bit out of step. But Serena clearly is not someone who's happy to stay in her comfort zone. 
This belief system would help her embrace the role awaiting her as she moved into her 40s and back to Malaysia to champion and drive Malaysia's digital economy. I want to talk about you leaving JP Morgan as well and Mm -hmm. um, moving into tech. And, you know, in many ways, banking, you know, is, is a bit of... There's an old school, old world element mm-hmm. about it, you know. Um, there's a sense of being bound by regulations, mm-hmm. a sense of being bound by conventions. Mm-hmm. Whereas technology is almost the antithesis of that, right? It's all about innovation. It's all about, you know, being dynamic, being able to make changes very quickly yes. and not really being bound by regulations, so to speak. Uh, how, how was that shift in mindset for you? Or is it something that you've always already had? No, so I, I would say... Um, so how did I go from banking to technology? What was that journey like? So to me, it, it was... So number one, when I was in school, I was also studying tech. tech and so it had that pre-planted already in me. And so you've always loved it, tech. Like I've always had a affinity. Know, affinity towards science and technology. Right. And then professionally, though, although I was working in financial services, um, through my, my role leading strategy, we were trying to answer the, the question of, as a bank... How do we service? How do we how do we bank? You know, tech companies, particularly like the fast-growing, um, innovative companies that are out there, and so that led to a lot of research, a lot of understanding, a lot of thinking through what are the actual issues, and so um, that gave me more in-depth exposure and understanding of what was happening in Silicon Valley, what's happening in startups, etc., etc., etc. How do VCs think and all that? That appealed to you, the way of thinking, the way they move, the Absolutely. way, right? Absolutely, because, because it was clear back then that it was not just creation of technology that, that generates value. Like, for example, it's not just the software companies. It's companies that are actually able to apply technology. So that's where you start to get fintech, right. ag tech. Semula, everything has a real real estate tech, prop tech, I think that's what they call it. Like every single vertical now has like the word tech embedded in the back. So there's an application. There's an application. At this point, I pulled out a poster featuring the amazing women we have in our public sector. And she's made it to this poster. She remembers the women who gave her the courage to pursue great things as a young adult. Okay, yes. All right, so that's you. And, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's not... It's 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 us because I'm not the only one. Yes, there. you're I'm not the only one there. It's it's, um, it's it's titled Kerajaan Pakatan Harapan Membekasakan Wanita. So you yeah. know, Pakatan Harapan em- empowers women, and you've been named alongside all these luminaries like Datuk Sri Wan Aziza, Hannah Yeo, yeah. Tan Sri Zeti. It's kind of this band of trailblazing women. How does it make you feel, you know, being put in this position of having, to, again, to be this ambassador? Yeah. You were an ambassador in New York and now you're an ambassador for women, you're an ambassador for breast cancer survivors, you're an ambassador for so many things. I mean, how does that make you feel as, you know, Serena, the person? I feel, well, first and foremost, I feel proud of our country that we're going on this path. I feel that there's still a long way to go. I feel that from a country standpoint, you know, this is almost like not new because I remember when I was growing up, Tansri Zeti was the governor of Bangnagara. And so being on Wall Street, that gave me the courage actually to say, whatever, you know, finance, women belong in finance. Like, Malaysia, we've got, you know, the governor, the governor of, yeah, the bank governor was, was a, and I remember I think back then AG was also, also um, a female. So to me, and I had, my mom was a working mom. I have lots of friends who have moms who were, who were also working moms. So it didn't seem like that, it would seem normal. 
Um, and then going to the U.S. on Wall Street, I'm like, actually, <laughs> you know, it's not that normal and we really have to do more. And so coming back here, I feel, yes, I am proud of this fact that, that we are actually the, the um, recognizing that diversity in leadership is key. Because that's where, you know, everybody's just different. You approach things differently. Um, women, um, like we have a bias towards executing just to get stuff done. Like we're nurturers. We're natural nurturers. And so I feel extremely proud by the fact that we have that that poster, I guess is what you call it. you got to print it out. Put um, it on your wall. Yeah, I will. Give a copy to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> Put it yeah. on a t-shirt. With others. And they're all very, 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 very impressive women. Right. And there are many, many, many others out there. Many others. Like I have many girlfriends that are like even my MRSM class. They're all overseas and doing like really amazing things. And I'm just one of many. We had to wrap up our conversation as she stayed laser focused, on track and on top of her busy schedule. I wish we had a little bit more time to find out more about this powerhouse leader, but I get the feeling that this will not be the last we'll hear from Serena Shukri, CEO of MDEC. I really feel, Serena, I'm just to wrap things up, that you are like on the precipice of great things. Um, you're back here in Malaysia after so long um, and you know you're going to be not just leading MDEC but also leading your family through this adventure of being back in KL. Um, should I check in with you in a year's time? I mean, how do you, where do you think you'll be in like one year's time or two years time? I hope I am at the same place, i.e. like still grounded. Because to me, the reason, like what is the niat for doing all of this? So that part has to be, to be clear. And, and like, I hope I don't get, I don't change too much other than continuing on this growth. Like, I feel like it was, it's all about growing. It's all about, about, yeah, it's all about growth. This role to me is all about making sure that I become a better mom, a better leader, a better speaker, a better everything so that I can share that with other, with others. And that's the spirit that, that we're trying to, I'm trying to share it in part in my organization. And so hopefully the little things that we do for ourselves i.e. continuing to always grow, um, helps inspire other people to do the same. Shift, Steer and Strive is a production of BFM 89.9 and Mercedes-Benz. I'm your host, Azura Rahman, and this was written, edited and produced by Nova Nelson, with additional research and coordination by myself and Arif Roos. The executive producer was Ezra Zaid, and we had additional sound mixing by Lawrence Graham. And this marks the end of this series of Shift, Steer and Strive. To listen to more episodes from this series, check out bfm.my forward slash strive or stream it on the BFM app.